Today's guest says that bundling is what Amazon buyers are looking for. She's going to tell us about her wholesale bundling technique that's both hijacker-resistant and competitor-proof. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I am your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world, and I'm happy to welcome to the show today, Kristen. Kristen, let's start off with a bang. Just give me what is your your, your coolest strategy right off the bat, your coolest Amazon strategy. Takes a couple minutes or less. My my favorite and coolest uh, Amazon strategy is my wholesale bundles system. So back in the day, I was starting wholesale, and I had a little sticker shock about you know profit margins. I was I, I was thinking profit margins wise. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to get wholesale accounts. I'm going to sell things online, and I'm going to make fifty percent or more on on my dollar, and it's going to be awesome. And then I was like, wah wah wah. Like the profit margins are really only 15 percent. There was not a lot of margin, so I started making bundles to sell on Amazon, and that that has been my bread and butter ever since, probably about five years strong now doing wholesale bundles. So that is my favorite strategy to use on Amazon to make a decent income. Love it. Love it. And we're definitely going to be asking you details about how, how that works. Wholesale bundles is something we haven't really talked about on the, on the show before. And I think it's a, it's a really cool way for people, you know, who, especially who are starting off, even if their long-term goal still is private label, I think wholesale bundles is, is, is a great segue into that. Now, let, let's take it back a, a few more years. So so where, where did you grow up, first of all? I grew up in Southeast Michigan, born and raised in Michigan. I say I was born in, in the North with a Southern soul. I don't love the winter. I don't love wintering up in Michigan. It's beautiful <laughs> May through October, but that's about it. Then I want to move South and be a snowbird. So born and raised in, in Michigan. So as you're a little girl freezing to death in the winter there, what are your aspirations? Like, what, what did you think that you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, my word. I used to watch Star Search all the time. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a performer. Star Search? You're, you're not old enough to know what Star Search. Come on. Literally, I lived and died for that show. I think it was like Saturday afternoons and no one could, could barge in. I was like watching that. I think Egg McMahon was like the host. And I was like, I swear I'm going to be on there wearing a ball gown one day and, and singing to crowds. But instead, I talked to crowds instead. I love it. Love it. Now, graduating high school, did you go into college right away? I did. I, I did have a full scholarship to a local college. I went there. But the reality was that as I started college, like they they literally, quote unquote, kicked me out of college because they said, if you do not declare a major, you have to leave <laughs> because I took all the prerequisite classes for everything. And I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to major in. There was like nothing for me. Everyone else I knew had this passion for, I want to be a teacher. I want to be a nurse. I want to be this. I want to be that. And I'm like, um, I can't pick from this list of things I want to be when I grow up. I, I just had no idea. Th that sounds like me. I actually didn't even, I, I think by, by the time I was 19, 20, I, I had over 150 units because I actually started going to community college when I was still in high school. But I was like, oh, let me do computer science. No, let me do international business. And I was just like, couldn't just, I actually didn't get my first degree until 10 years out, out after I was in high school. I wasn't going to college for 10 years, but I was kind of similar to you now. What was your first like major or regular like nine to five kind of job? 
I've never actually had like a nine to five job. I went straight from high school to, I took some college classes. I literally like, I think it was my second year of college. I got married super young. I would say high school sweethearts, but my husband was a little bit older than me and we've been married for over 20 years now. And I ended up still going to college and I had my first child and I waitressed for a while, but my first really real job was besides waitressing, I guess, which no harm, no foul for waitressing, but um, to make ends meet, I didn't want to do opposite shifts of my husband. So he'd work all day and then and he'd stay home with the kids and I'd go to my waitressing job. And I was like, this is not how I want to live my life. And so that's why I actually started selling on eBay way back in the day to just try to make some extra cash. Interesting. That's interesting. So I, I think, and it's important, I think, to go over some of these questions. They're not serious strategies for serious sellers like the the tagline. But the point is that a lot of times it's our life strategies and the life journey of of where what brings us to to become an Amazon seller or an e-commerce seller. And it's very interesting to me that everybody always has a different journey. I mean we've we've had so many mothers, so many wives, you know, on the show, and their journey actually is nothing like yours. I mean everybody is different. And we still somehow all end up in the same place. And that's why I, I, I definitely want to stress to the listeners out there. You're like, don't think that, oh, you can't relate, you know, to, to people who are successful. I mean, it doesn't matter what your background is. You know, anybody can become an e-commerce seller. Now, you you actually weren't one of those that, like we've had on the show before, who who had that, like, entrepreneurial bug from an early age and and was, you know, selling baseball cards at, at six years old uh, or, or something like that. Uh, it was actually something later in life for you. So it's funny you mentioned that though, because I had no idea that I had an entrepreneurial spirit or what that actually was when I was mm-hmm. younger. I was just always super frugal, like with my money. Like my dad would be like, You have this budget for, you know, school clothes. And I would be super thrifty about it so I could like have the rest for whatever I wanted. And then I actually used to sell candy bars to friends at school. I never realized I was an entrepreneur when I did that because <laughs> I'd buy candy extra, like from the ice cream truck and things. And then I'd like sell it to friends at school. I had no idea that I was like in business. I just like did that naturally because I, I liked earning, I liked making a profit. And I think that's why so maybe like, you did have that bug. You didn't realize it then, huh? Right. And no one, I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised in an entrepreneurial family. And like, you know, 20 years ago or so, it was like, I almost felt like it was frowned upon. Like you were kind of unemployed if you didn't, if you were an entrepreneur. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when I started selling things on eBay, it was more out of necessity. eBay was pretty new at the time. It was like 2003, I think, when I started. And what kind of um, stuff were you selling on eBay? Well, to make ends meet, because my husband's job is a commercial construction. So it's like feast or famine, like 80 hours a week or zero. So um, I would just, I my youngest daughter was born or my middle child was born and I sold her, her Easter dress that, you know, you pay an outrageous amount for, they wear one time and then you never have it. And I, someone said, you should sell that on eBay. People are buying, you know, children's clothes. And so I started selling my kids clothes and realized that like, I could just buy, sell their clothes and turn around and use the money to buy them new clothes. So it was kind of a wash. I wasn't necessarily profiting. And then I started to thrift and yard sale for things to, to flip and sell. And I was hooked since. Okay. And then what, what year did you discover Amazon? So in 2008, I started selling on Amazon. Some, I think it was an advertisement or something somehow came through my inbox from who knows where. And it was a sell books on Amazon and you can ship them in. At first, I just didn't ship them in FBA. It was, it wasn't even a thing back then. You could literally send everything in one box with no labels. And it was, it was, I call it the Midas touch days when everything sold like super fast. Right. 
Did you develop this wholesale bundle model back then, or was this something that developed over time? So it was it was an overtime uh, development, and I was going you know full time into I want to make this Amazon thing way bigger than it was. I knew retail arbitrage was not going to be sustainable because it was just I couldn't get the volume that I needed. So I started looking into wholesale, and that's kind of when I was thinking. You know, I just I I was thinking I'm going to get wholesale accounts, and I'm going to you know I was assuming at the time back it was like 2014 or so. I was assuming that the the prices were going to be you know, at least half of what retail was. So I was certainly shocked. And so as I was moving through um, retail arbitrage, realizing it wasn't scalable for what I wanted to do, um, looking into wholesale. And then when we saw the wholesale, realized there wasn't a whole lot of profit in a lot of the things that we were looking into is when I thought maybe we could put some things together to sell like as a kit, as a gift set if you will. And so I started putting gift sets together, like children's toy gift sets and grocery gift sets of like, not gift sets for grocery, but like multi-packs and variety packs of grocery items. And they just took off so quickly that I haven't looked back since because there's just more profit margin when you put things together. Okay. So let's, let's, let's do like an example of, of, I mean, maybe it was, it was how you started or how you discovered it, but I think wholesale bundle might be a new term for a lot of listeners out there. So, so like, can you give a specific example of, of what a wholesale bundle would mean for one of you or your students? For sure. So a wholesale bundle is a combination of products that you would buy from a wholesale source that are highly complementary, that are used together, that work together to fit together. So it provides speed, convenience, and variety for your customer. And an example would be one of the first bundles I made were these little toys called Shopkins. They're kind of phasing out at this point, but back then they were super hot and they were flying off shelves and they were you know pretty cheap. Everybody wanted them. And single unit items from wholesale just were, there were, you know, a, a negative profit. You're losing right. money on them, selling them on Amazon. And so I put two or three different packages of, um, Shopkins together along with a carrying case so they could store the little tiny toys in the carrying case. And I put a different ones together. So it's highly complimentary. You've got the toys, you've got a, carrying case to put it in and the customer is happy because they feel like they're getting this great value. They're getting four or five different things that all go together. Another example would be in the grocery department. Um, one of the first grocery bundles I made was a variety pack of granola bars because we always bought the huge Costco size and there was always this one flavor left over that nobody in the family would eat. And I thought, I wish I could get a variety pack that didn't have this flavor in it. And so I thought, well, if I think that other people might want a variety pack of different ones that they don't like this other flavor. And so I put a variety pack of different granola bars together and that flew off the shelf. So I felt like I was onto something at that point. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I think one question that a lot of people might have nowadays, you know, probably five years ago, you didn't have to worry about this is, is about like brand gating and, and things like that. So are there situations where you cannot create a new ASIN? with the original brand like if it is let's just say for example nike or something you know you're you're, you're combining two nike i don't know why anybody would combine two nike shoes but but let's just let's just say you are you know i don't think you would be able to create a new listing that's a that that's with a nike brand so when you run into something like that what do you do 
So one of the strategies that I teach within my wholesale bundle system is to not always go after these big branded items. I think that there's a huge myth out there that you have to sell big branded household name branded items to make a decent living on Amazon or to make any money at all. The beauty of, of, of wholesale bundles is you, you can create bundles and products that have necessary nothing to do with a brand. Now, brands are optional when you want to put them in, but then you run into issues issues with, you know, UPC codes or GTI and exemptions and, and, you know, brand registry and things like that. So yes, that's definitely an issue. You wouldn't be able to create a brand new ASIN with, you know, three Nike golf shirts because you would have to then list that under the Nike brand and you wouldn't have a UPC and it's on the list. So there's definitely branding issues when it comes to things like that. But what we teach is to do what I consider a generic item. And when I say generic, I don't mean cheap knockoff kind of generic. I mean, like tarps and bungee cords are a perfect match. It's a perfect bundle and they don't have brand names that everyone would recognize. I mean, I don't think anyone in the world can name a a tarp brand or a brand of bungee cords. They're just like, I just need these two things. and they work together. And so um, strategically planning what you bundle based on research data of what people are searching for. So not everybody, you know, for Nike shoes, of course, you want to buy branded Nike shoes because they're awesome. But if you're looking for tarps and bungee cords, which people buy millions of every single year, um, it, the, the idea is that it's not, it doesn't have to be sexy. It just has to sell. Okay. Interesting. So, so like, it doesn't even have to be the same brand. Like, you know, I could maybe do some research and say, you know, keeping with my weird, uh, analogy of Nike shoes, but I could say, Hey, Nike shoes, you know, with generic armband or something, because we have research that shows that people who have these running shoes need an armband to wipe their sweat or whatever. But Mm -hmm. in something like that, what would you put as the brand name? in this new listing that you're creating when it, when it's multiple brands. So when it's multiple brands, we have a suggestion that you create your own bundle brand. So it's you're creating your own brand. Um, for example, there's a lot of the, my favorite example to use of someone who has done this really well is on Amazon is called the hangry kit. So in the hangry kit, there is a box and this is their brand, the hangry kit. And what they do is they sell a combination of all kinds of grocery items, granola bars, you know, little packages of nuts, snacks. It's like basically a a snack pack. And they have all these brands within that, but they don't name the brands. Instead, they create this bundle with all these mixed brands in them, but they call it, you know, people are searching for attributes. So when they're saying I'm looking for a snack pack to send my college kid or a military gift package that I want to send overseas to my, you know, soldier. And they're, you know, people are, when they do searches, they're not necessarily searching for Nature Valley granola bars. What they're searching for is a military gift pack or a, you know, care package that they're trying to send to their college student or something like that. And so you're ranking for the keywords for the attributes rather than the brand. And so uh, my training is always teaching people to create your listing and optimize your listing, not necessarily around brands, but around the attributes that people are searching for so that you can come up and search. Your bundle will come up and search without worrying about brands or brand exemptions or brand names. That, that is, is classic. I mean, as you're saying this, I mean, guys, as you guys know, whenever I interview, I I try to do as little research, no, as little as possible to kind of just be, you know, learn along with everybody else listening. And I literally don't, don't know much about this. So I I'm typing in hangry kid on Amazon right now. when when she's saying this and I'm like, this is just genius because I'm looking here at this picture. It says like a 50 pack 
and I could see all the brands, you know, in the picture. Like I can see there's grandma's cookies and cheese it and all this other stuff I can't eat right now since I'm on a diet. But there's, you know, the the brand name is uh, I'm just looking at this one here that has Amazon's Choice for snacks gift basket is snack chest or something. You know, there's nothing gated about that, and and they're not using any branded words in their listing that might you know make Amazon mad or might make somebody go after them. And this is this is like a cool idea. So the actual strategy around this, you know, like for for whole for people doing the traditional wholesale again, Nike, you know. You're trying to just you're not really worried about listing optimization and and things like that because you're just trying to capitalize on on the the Nike name and and the listing could be garbage and you still make sales. But the strategy of promotion on this, I would imagine, is almost similar to the private label where you're trying to rank for, like you said, the keywords that people are using to search for things like this. Is that the the case where that's how your your ranking strategy is and and you actually have to run PPC and things like that on on these keywords? So the fun thing about that is I have two things to say. Number one is um, it was when I started this, it was kind of my poor man's private label. That's kind of, I coined that term years ago because at the time I couldn't necessarily afford to jump into wholesale or to private label at the time. I had some ideas, but as I was looking into it, it was just really costly and it wasn't instant and I, I just didn't have the time. So I supplemented with these. I thought I can put these bundles together at a low risk cost. I don't, you know, if I'm buying from a wholesaler, I just have to meet their minimums. Maybe it's one case of something. So I can test out 12 bundles to see how they do. If they do well, I can always increase the volume. If they don't do as well as I thought, then I can move on to making a different bundle. Um, and so I didn't have to have this big, long-term, deep pocket investment of private label and manufacturing and creating a brand around something and all that kind of stuff. Although I've moved into that now with my bundle brand. But the reality was I didn't have to start that way. But yes, the strategy is involved with the keywords and optimizing your listing for the attributes of what's in the bundle. So the hangry kit, for example, that is it's optimized by the snap gift set or the for the military care package or the college student care package snack gift or whatever. So we know by using the data, using Helium 10 to look up the keywords and you know all these different things, we know people are searching for those. So we build bundles around what people are searching for. I honestly rarely, rarely use PPC because I do all of my research ahead of time on the bundles. I don't put a bundle together that I don't think will sell. I do all the research and the data ahead of time. So I know when I press go, people are looking for those items because I'm meeting a need for the customer. A bundle meets a need for a customer. It creates speed and convenience. We're a one-click society. Everyone wants to just add something to the cart and have it in their house in two days. They don't want to piece together gift sets. They don't want to piece together variety packs. If you can get someone to buy something with one click, you're going to get a sale a lot faster. And so I, I pride myself on organic search um, as much as possible so that I don't have to spend a lot of money with PPC trying to get things off the ground because I, I just try to sell what the data is telling me customers are looking for. Interesting. Now, now how, if not PPC, then on, on the ones that you do, like how do you improve or how do you get visible? to people or do you pick things where just right off the bat there's so few people selling it that you're already going to be on page one for a keyword i mean that's that's got to be pretty rare right 
So when people look at the frequently purchased together and they make clothing bundles, for example, you'll see a lot of people buying T-shirts for their, you know, seven-year-old uh, little boys. It's got a, a, a dinosaur or something on it. It's really not branded. It's not like a big brand anyone would know about it. Maybe it could be something you're picking up from Walmart or wholesale or whatever. But the reality is a lot of parents buy not just one, but they'll buy four or five different outfits for, you know, their five to seven-year-olds, you know, because it's just easy and convenient. They know the size that they're wearing. And so I have a client put together these, you know, outfit sets for, um, for these bundles. And so you get three t-shirts, three pairs of shorts, and, you know, three coordinating pairs of socks, and it's a hundred bucks out the door. And a mom is really happy to just add that to the cart and move on rather than trying to shop around and figure out, I mean, if you're ever taking a kid shopping, you know how much of a nightmare it is. So it's way easier to just buy it on Amazon. And so it's, it's things like that. Mothers or people, the search data even is already telling us that people are looking for you know, these clothing sets or these things together. And so we basically just make it easy for them to shop in bulk and all at once rather than individually adding things to the cart. Okay. Now, when you're looking at, at Helium 10 and trying to decide if there's enough demand for something, like what are you looking at? Are you looking at search volume? Are you looking at the sales of the individual components of the items to like know that there's demand for the product itself? Or or what's like kind of like your go, no-go metrics that you're looking for? So one of the things that I love to look for is definitely search volume. You want to make sure that the the single unit item that you have, you know, that, that you're considering as part of your bundle is doing well already. So, you know, at least 3,000 searches a month for that keyword or keyword phrase that you're thinking, I think is a really good benchmark to decide whether or not it's got enough legs to create a whole new product around it. Um, so, and then looking at the frequently purchased together and how do those things do well and separately? Because I'm also a firm believer in the fact that just because something sells something sells well in a single does not necessarily mean that it's bundle worthy. And so with our framework, we have a way to kind of have idea validation and component validation to see that the things work together. And so it's just like a peanut butter and jelly, like peanut butter does well together, jelly does well together, but tons and tons of people buy them together all the time. And so same thing with like the t-shirts and shorts we were just talking about with the clothing bundle. So there's definitely a, a step-by-step -step research process that we use. But search volume is probably my number one thing that I use on Helium 10, as well as looking for um, the competitors out there and seeing, you know, if someone else is selling this t-shirt, then I'm looking at that and I'm seeing what is being sold with that and what's frequently purchased together and then kind of combining all the keywords. Okay. And how do you purchase these products? I mean, are you are you purchasing these retail or are you trying to find distributors where you can get a literal wholesale account and, and, and buy in bulk or, or how do you do that? Everything that we have is purchased wholesale. So I don't do retail arbitrage anymore. As a matter of fact, I really feel like it's extremely risky and it's not like a long-term strategy. Mm -hmm. And so I, I look for wholesale vendors for everything that I purchase. Um, and so we, we I go to trade shows. I, I have lots of representatives I work with, with um, sales reps and things like that, that unlimited amount of catalogs. So if there's something I want that I don't have access to, then I source those in wholesale sources. I've actually even made a couple of smaller um, private labels products that I put within my bundles as just an extra measure of um, kind of competition proofing. Because, you know, if I put a combination of something together that anyone can get a hold of, then they could easily just wait for me to do my research, put my bundle up and then copy it. Well, um, I don't, 
our system teaches that that you don't do that. You want to make sure you're competition proofing your listings and your in your bundles so that you don't do all this work and then someone just kind of hijacks you. So, um, you know, I have some other private label products that I add and I mix vendors. Sometimes I'll choose something from two or three different suppliers and put it together, um, just making sure that the bundle meets a need or solves a problem for the customer is my number one thing. The items need to be highly complementary, used together. So we always do the who, what, when, where, why, and how of the bundle before we even create it so that we know it's rock solid before we um, list it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So then like if somebody, you know, doesn't want to go all in at first, you know, usually when you go to wholesale companies, you get, you get, you have, you know, MOQs, you know, sometimes. So if you want to test the market, you probably, even though it's, it's at a loss, you probably could just maybe buy some retail and just see, you know, what kind of, you know, how fast it sells or, or if there's even any activity on it, if there's even any page views. And then if it's successful, then you go in and, and go ahead and buy, you know, 100 of each or something like that. Is that, is that a, a good strategy or, or do you, do you have so much, do you have so much confidence when you start that you don't even need to test? I think testing is important. I think retail is a really good way to test bundles like that. Um, but I also want to debunk the myth that wholesale is expensive or that a lot of a lot of wholesale companies have huge minimum orders. As a matter of fact, I just did a podcast episode of um, th uh, starting wholesale for $300 or less because so many people come to me and say, I, wholesale is going to be so expensive and there's going to be all these charges. And it's just such a myth. There's so many companies out there that have you know minimum order quantities of $300 or $200. Some of them, I actually have zero, um, you know, minimum orders. You can buy as little as one item or as many as 10,000. And so um, I think there's definitely some myths there about wholesale and how hard it is to start and stop. Now, of course, if you're going to go to Hasbro or Mattel or Nike and you want to try to get a, you know, you're trying to get orders with them, well, clearly you're going to have to, if you're going to run with the big dogs, you better have deep pockets. So that's why I suggest people start with, you know, more simplistic items, some, you know, focus on the attributes of the items instead of brand names. And so I think that that's really a myth that people do. But testing is very important. And I think retail is a good place to start if you're nervous or you just want to give it a test run to see. I mean, yeah, you probably won't make as much money as you would doing a wholesale, but there's, there's definitely a way to test the waters to see whether or not it's going to it's going to serve the market the way you expect it. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Now what's some, some success stories you can talk about either your own kind of numbers that you've done or some of your students were to kind of put into perspective what we're talking about, you know, cause some people think that the only money, you know, big money is in, is in private label. And yeah, there, there's money in, in private label, but what are some, some stories of, of, of how much, what level people have gotten to just by following this kind of formula? So we are completely in my in my business. We're completely 100% wholesale bundles. We do occasionally do single unit items from our our wholesale distributors that you know we have good relationships with and things. But our profit and bread and butter is in bundles, and we tend to make anywhere between five to twenty dollars per bundle, depending on that, and that's over and over again. Um, we do like 1.2 million in sales every single year. Um, we carry about 100 to 150 SKUs. Um, 
depending on the season. I know we do some seasonal things. So that's just a, a, an example from our, sto- our store. But um, as far as some of my clients and some of their success stories, of course, you can go to the Amazon files and listen to a couple of success stories there. We've interviewed several people who have done wholesale bundles and have quit their per- for their full-time jobs to do this. As a matter of fact, we have one coming up of a lady that used to do flea markets. And um, she had had a she still has a regular nine to five because she loves her nine to five. But instead of her high, side hustle being a flea market, now she's doing full-time Amazon and doing bundles and she's doing really well. So a lot of people like the fact that there's not a lot of competition. So you don't have to worry about constantly repricing things and worrying about how many sellers are selling this and whether or not you're going to be, you know, got IP claims and different things like that because you're you're booting people, you're naturally creating something that's that's a uh, competition proof if you will. Okay. Okay. Uh last question for you on this subject is you get a listing up and it's pretty successful. How often do you have to deal with with people who just want to jump on your listing? Like, you know, you can call them hijackers or just people trying to piggyback, you know, you can call them that. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, since it's not a gated brand, theoretically speaking, anybody can kind of make a similar bundle. So is that something you guys have to deal with a lot or or most quote unquote hijackers don't really focus on these kind of things because it's so it's so difficult to put these bundles together? So there, that there's a two two answers to that. The first answer is that in the training, the way that we tr- the train bundles is to have our students learn bundles in a way that helps prevent hijackers. And what we do is we create we teach a s- specific strategy that helps them either create something of their own, whether it's a private label or something that they're manufacturing themselves, um, creating something additionally that complements your bundle that other people cannot repeat. So they won't be able to hijack your listing because they don't have the exact thing that you have. Here's an example. One of uh, my clients had created a um, grocery bundle. And within that grocery bundle, they included a special um, recipe card that had different uses, uh, like kind of a how-to of like how you make certain sauces with these items and how, you know, different things like that, that was branded and their own. They laminate it and they put it within the product so that people not only know, you know, it's kind of either a how-to guide or a recipe card, or maybe you're creating, I've had some people do party bundles where they create a special birthday um, button that basically you can go to anywhere like imprint, you know, for imprint.com or place it or anything that you can, you know, do custom swag, if you will, um, and kind of make your own product that goes within your bundle so that no one else can copy off of you because it's a custom product. Love it. Love it. All right. Now, before we get into your 30 second tip, we're going to play the search volume game. Something we do here where I'm going to give you three words, keywords, and you know, don't have helium 10 open. I'm going to give you three search volumes and you're going to try and match which one it is. Now, since you've been taught, I usually try and think of something that relates to the person. So since you said from when you're a little girl, you would sell chocolate stuff and, and you know, now you're doing bundles with some chocolates. I saw it. So I'm going to give you three chocolate related keywords. All right. So here they are. This is going to be in the order of the smallest number of letters to to largest. So chocolate bars, chocolate gift box, and chocolate chip cookies. And now the three search volumes from smallest to largest are one of these keywords is searched for 11,000 times, one 20,000 times, and another 33,000 times. So again, chocolate bars, chocolate gift box, and chocolate chip cookies, which word goes to which search volume okay so i think chocolate chip cookies would probably be the thirty-three thousand 
gift box I think would be next at twenty thousand, and chocolate bars at eleven k. All right, you got you got one right. The chocolate chip cookies definitely thirty three thousand, but yeah, surprisingly enough, the chocolate bars is twenty one thousand. That that's just interesting in itself. Like I keep hearing these rumors that Amazon is going to stop allowing meltable stuff inside their warehouses, but I've never I've never seen that actually happen. But yeah, there's actually twenty one thousand people estimated uh searching for chocolate bars but but chocolate gift box by itself something i never even thought about still you know has uh, hundreds of people searching that day eleven thousand. so so interesting that was my bundle hopeful that that was going to be a little bit higher than that there we go so, yeah there we go there we go there we go well well now that everybody hears this episode maybe in like three or four weeks that search volume is going to be like 15 uh, 15 000 or or more for chocolate gift box all right now we come to the part of the show we call the or the TST 30-second tip. You've been given us strategies and tips throughout this whole episode, but what is something that you haven't said yet, but maybe that you could say in 30 seconds or less that's highly actionable and, and valuable for our listeners? It can be about wholesale bundling or, or anything else. Be consistent and be persistent. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. If you open a wholesale account or you think that wholesale accounts aren't going to sell to Amazon sellers or you don't have enough money or you think that you're putting all these barriers in your brain, just take action. Take action consistently and be persistent. If you continue to to um, put your name out there and get wholesale accounts and ask the questions and be persistent, you will get the results that you desire. Love it. Love it. Now, how can people find more information about, you know, how to do wholesale bundles? How can they find your podcast, et cetera, et cetera? So our podcast is called The Amazon Files. We are everywhere. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, of course, all the all the places. Um, and then if you want to learn more about wholesale bundling, you can go to mommyincome.com slash system. That's our wholesale bundle system. We also have a, a in intro guide to uh, wholesale bundles. If you go to mommyincome.com and clip the bundle roadmap, it will kind of give you a roadmap to your first bundle of some of the first things that you need to do to get started in bundling. So cool. So cool. Well, well, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and talking about something that, I don't know, I think it's been about 160 episodes. We've never, we've never had somebody talk about this. So it's always great to learn new things and, and love to touch bases with you maybe next year and, and see how you're doing. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We'll see you later.